This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Brewers fans, thanks for checking back in with us. Brewers Unfiltered, and it is episode 18. Here we go. We got a lot going on here as we get to the end of July. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're listening to us. It's Adam McAlvey, Tim Dillard, uh, and and Sophia. So, guys, we've we've got a lot to get to here. Um, here on this homestand, we are now one week away, officially, from the trade deadline coming up August 1st. Uh, the team will be in Washington, D.C., but before that, it's a pretty big homestand for them to maybe set themselves up for some decision-making in the next couple days. So over the weekend, dropped the series to the Atlanta Braves, who, of course, are just a freight train in the National League, more than 60 wins on the season for them. Uh, For the Brewers, that was their first series loss in over a month. Uh, You have to go back to June for that. Um, And now, finally, the last meeting with, yes, the Cincinnati Reds, Um, and wow, what a game last night, start to finish. It started with Joey Weimer robbing Ellie De La Cruz of what would have been a leadoff homer, and it finished with a Christian Yelich walk-off single against all-star closer Edwin Diaz, and, uh, guys, it, I don't know, it felt like one of those maybe signature wins that you could look back on, um, later in the season, just start to finish some of the things that they had to overcome specifically runners in scoring position, and yet they come away with a win and they add to their division lead. Now a game and a half in the National League Central. Game starts off. You got Colin Ray on the mound. Ends up going to quality start. He was fantastic. Starts out with a bang with Joey Lemur, you know, just climbing up on the wall, robbing homers. Ellie De La Cruz hits one to the parking lot. Uh, Andrew Monasterio on base four times. He gets two hits, couple of walks. Uh, the first inning, though, Yelich. In classic Yelich form, since he's taken over leadoff, walks, steals second, and then scores on Contreras shockingly hitting a ball to right <laughs> field. Like this is this is like what the you know this is all the little components that the Brewers have really been putting together for a couple of months now. Just they can't play a boring game, and you know what? I'm here for it because <laughs> I think it's exciting. But I will say, you know, then you have to use all your big bullpen pieces. I would love everybody would love you know to win by ten every once in a while, but that's just not what the Brewers are doing. So. Uh, yes, if you're not watching Brewers baseball, you have to. It's just it's much must watch television right now. Totally, this stretch has been the most entertaining stretch of the season. It is completely and utterly unsustainable. So they better start scoring some runs because I mean honestly, the, they they have become a really really dangerous team because that great defense that they've played all year. And the really solid pitching that they've gotten for so really all year, which is really impressive considering you're talking no Brandon Woodruff, and we'll talk about him since April 7th. You've missed Miley in stretches. You've gotten almost nothing out of Eric Lauer. It is really remarkable that the starting pitching has been as reliable and steady as it's been, credit to those guys. But now what you have is a great bullpen at this stretch. And that's a credit to 
Yoel Piamps, uh, Elvis Pagaro stepping up. Hobie Milner has been like the unsung hero. Um, and now Abner Uribe, I think we'll maybe talk about him a little bit later on. Has He jumped into a, you know, he got a, a big outing um, against the Braves, a big out against the Braves and a big spot, which is notable. So it has come together for them. But I think Craig Council, rightfully, in a lot of these post games, you hear him say, like, we need to score some runs. They need to score some runs. <laughs> they need to give the, these pitchers, like, a, a breather um, because they're carrying a very heavy load right now. But, but look, right now it's all come together. And we all love a redemption story. And, you know, we'll see what happens for Jesse Winker. But it's a guy who was told a couple of days ago by Craig Council and Pat Murphy that his role is going to be diminished. He's not going to be the DH as much as he was because they just need production. This is this is go time now. We're we're at the trade deadline, so um, he comes off the bench and gets a huge hit to set up Yelich to do something. You know, to win a game with a base hit that sneaks through the infield. So credit to Jesse Winker for keeping his head up and saying all the right things before and after the game yesterday. And all he can do, as he says is be a good teammate and try to chip away. He's not going to have an 800 OPS tomorrow. And look, that's what he did with a big a big moment on uh, Monday night against the Reds, against a, a team that is trying to chase down the Brewers, and the Brewers keep knocking them back. Yeah, I think, I mean, the pitching has obviously been a huge story of why they've been able to put together what is easily their best month of the season, despite you know, the low scoring games that they've had. Um, the Brewers are now 13 and six in the month of July. That's the best record in the National League uh, for that stretch. Um, and, I mean, you think about how they both ended the first half with that one to nothing shutout against the Reds. And then they came out to start. And again, it was the two shutouts, that incredible stretch by the bullpen of 28 and two thirds, scoreless innings. So many guys contributed to that. Adam, you hit on a number of the names, kind of that core five that has been here for the whole season. And, and yeah, I think that, you know, that's what made last night's win, I think, so big was they were struggling with runners in scoring position last night, right? It was the first inning, and then there was nothing after that, right? It was it was Yelich getting on, the stolen base, Contreras driving him in, and then after that, I mean, how many, I think it was eight, 14. yeah, or eight left on base. Um, yeah a number of times with a runner at third and they talk about that, right? It's like, okay, you just have to keep putting the pressure on. And then finally they were able to break through there in the ninth. And I mean, there were, there were a number of highlight moments. One of them, uh, we talked about Joey Weimer, robbing Ellie De La Cruz, of course, Christian's walk off, great pitching, some great defense. Andrew Monasterio turned a great double play to help Colin Ray get out of the six there. And then, of course, there's Sal Freelich, who has just taken over Milwaukee in three short days, made his debut on Saturday, and it was just, it was a full Sal Freelich game, right? It was the three hits, the sack fly, some great defense, Gatorade showers, of course, and then last night, hits his first career homer in a huge spot, a game-tying, a game-tying solo shot. So um, Sal is just, he's... He's just picking up kind of where the rest of the rookies have left off. And one of the notes that I, I loved from last night was um, in terms of their first three games to start their Brewers career, only Paul Molitor in 1978 has done what Sal has done, which is more than five hits, 
and hit their first home run. So anytime we're putting Paul Molitor <laughs> in the same sentence, you know that you're doing something right. So what do you guys think of uh, what Sal has done in his first couple games? Adam, you want me to go? You want to go? <laughs> <laughs> Why are we struggling with this I, so much this morning? <laughs> I, I don't know. I really I want I want to go first here just because I was I was at the game Saturday and I wasn't working. I was just there because I get a free ticket with my little multi-pass. I can just get in and, and do whatever. And I was in like section 20 something, like above, like a below the Potawatomi sign out there. Um, I was just talking to fans and Freelick came up and I was like, I got to film this. So I have the film on my phone of him getting his first hit from section 203, I think. Uh, and people were going crazy, not only before, you know, him walking up to the plate, but then clearly after he gets a base hit, uses the opposite field. But what's impressed me so much is Freelick, he he can flat out hit, but it's not just the swinging of the bat, but it's knowing the situation. I mean, he only has, I don't know what, 12 plate appearances I wrote down. I don't know if that's right or not. It seems like it's right. But he has five hits. Yeah, but he also has a sack fly, a couple of walks. Um, he's just seeing the, the entire game. He's seeing the whole field when he walks up there. And that's, that's super elite. That's mature, uh, for being such a young rookie, another rookie that the Brewers have, that's just been outstanding. Uh, but anyway, that's what I see. Just great hand-eye coordination and just a, a feel for every situation when he gets up. And then last night he hits a cutter off Graham Ashcraft, like hard cutter down and in. He had been struggling with the cutter from him all, you know, all previous two at bats, I guess. And ends up hitting a bomb. Like just seeing the progression, uh, the adjustments from a bat to bat is 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 very impressive for such a young kid. Well, for me, at the risk of being melodramatic, I mean the last the the first three games of Sal's career, it's like why all of us are in sports. It's why we love sports because you see these people putting these moments together for fans one, but also having like the best day of their lives and you get to document it. And with Sal, it was like the whole family story on top of it. His family is so genuine and real. And, um, you know, the, the mom, not down to the mom, not being there, his mom, Patty, because she stayed behind with the family dog. You know, the dog's part of the family, she said. I couldn't leave the dog behind. By the way, it's a German Shepherd Sheltie mix. People were wondering what kind of dog he is. And Sal loves his dog so much, it's the home screen on his phone, if you ask him about it. So, I mean, they are just the most, uh, the, the whole group, including Sal Freelich, just a very down-to-earth, very likable group. And this is magical stuff that he put together. And, and look, down to the fact that the guy who caught his home run ball is from Boston. Like, you cannot make this stuff up. Sal got to meet him after the game, uh, gave him a bat, and it's like, you know, the guy didn't ask for anything. He just, want, you know, just wanted to make sure Sal Freelich got the ball from his first home run, and he's from Worcester, Massachusetts, right down the road. So it's, it's all just like <clears throat> an incredible couple of days, and Sal Freelich said it, he's like floating. And he's, you know, he'll, like after the game at night, it kind of hits him like that this is real. So really cool stuff. The Paul Molitor thing, by the way, is, is doubly cool because it just came up with the, with the weird Rowdy Telez injury. The only reason Molitor was playing those games is that uh, Robin Young crashed his motorcycle right before spring training and tore up his ankle. So the Brewers had optioned Paul Molitor to the minors to start 78. And then they were able to reverse that because it was an injury and Molitor never got optioned again. So I don't know. We'll see if I'm not saying South Freak is going to be Paul Molitor, but, um, but, a, but as you said, Sophia, 
just to get your name in the same sentence with Paul Molitor in any sort of way is you're doing it right. I think you should make a bold claim, Adam, today, three days into his career <laughs> and say 3,000 hits for Sal. Yeah. Ah, pass. I mean, they call him the hit collector, you know? That is one of Craig Council's best nicknames. If that's a council, that's who we heard it from. Often uh, that's a Pat Murphy because he is the nickname king. But um, yeah, the hit collector is very apt. I think one of the, um, you know, what I thought he was very thoughtful when we talked to him after the game last night. It's obviously been an absolute whirlwind for him. You know, tells us, you know, like you said, he's floating. He blacked out basically going around the bases. I mean, he's just taking a lot in right now, and this can be so overwhelming. But I thought he his answer about, you know, he knows why he was called up here, and he's not really shying away from maybe the pressure or the expectations that have been put on some of these rookies, specifically, you know, Bryce Terang and Joey Weimer and, and now Sal, he's like, you know, his line was something like they didn't put me in the lineup to just say a prayer and hope for the best. You know, he knows that he, you know, there's some expectation here. They want him to perform and they've said, you know, we need more production from this position. And so he, he came up and he said, I, I want to make an impact. I want to be that spark. I want to be myself, right? And I think we're we're seeing that in terms of how how much he's getting on base. I think it's seven out of twelve times. I think it's only two strikeouts for him now in these first couple games. So I I thought that was a really kind of mature approach from him to not shy away from that and and take that on. Well, I think one factor that's big is he walks in the clubhouse and he sees a bunch of familiar faces, and I yeah. I, I know that at other stages in Brewers history that really helped players. Um, like, you know, say Ryan Braun, who comes in and it's a bunch of familiar faces, the, that that Hardy Hart Weeks fielder combo. Those guys all played together. And I think Sal Felix said that even even like yesterday with Joey Weimer running out to center field. It's like Sal is used to seeing Joey Weimer next to him, although they were flipped. That was interesting. They talked about how normally it was Sal in center and Weimer in right. And I wonder if as we progress here, whether they'll make that flip. I mean, Weimer's got that arm that makes you that screams right fielder, but he's done such a nice job in center. I don't, I don't know if you want to mess with that. And center here in Milwaukee is one of the toughest center fields because of those Robin Yount angles out there and the, the long warning track. Weimer said his first couple of games, he felt like when he would run back to the warning track, he felt like he was on the track for 20 minutes because it's so long. So now he's used to it, which is how he makes that leaping catch. So Freelick is going to be, obviously, he's out there during BP getting lay of the land and whatnot. We'll, we'll see long term how they move those guys or where they position them. But right now, I would guess why mess with a good thing when Weimer's doing such a good job out there. Yeah, Sal now one of eight players to make their major league debut for the Brewers this year. Player number 52 <laughs> used here on the season. So that's I mean, unbelievable. Just by the way, right. the, we are not at the, the not at the trade deadline yet, and they're they're up over fifty players. Um, unbelievable. Right. Well, I think too with injuries and stuff, you got to look. I feel like Major League Baseball is going to look across the board at the end of the year and see all these injuries and how many players were used, and they can either go, "That's a good thing," or they can say, "Well, there's so many injuries, maybe we need to fix like a one of the dozen rules that we that they imposed." <laughs> I don't. I don't know. That's the way I look at it. I'm like 52 people. Yeah, it takes a it takes a you know a village to to put this thing on. But at the same time, it's like 
did it have to be that way? You know, some things could have been different, but yeah, another rookie they call up that makes an impact. That That's incredible. You look at what Bryce Terang's doing, Joey Weimer, uh, Perkins, Monasterio. Uh, it's just like the who's who. But I go back to Garrett Mitchell. Garrett Mitchell kind of set the tone last year for, hey, we're not just rookies that are just happy to be here. We're rookies that make an impact. And I feel like that's carried over into this year immediately uh, with Weimer coming up, you know, day two. Uh, and, and just being an impactful player right away. So I, I think there's some expectations in a good way of going, yeah, it's not just, hey, happy ho-hum, you're, you're you know, happy to be here, because that's kind of at times the way it was. Oh, hey, you got called up, now you're going to sit for a week. <laughs> Yay, thanks, thanks for calling me up and I get a paycheck, but I haven't seen the field in a week. No, you're called up, you're in the lineup, you're in the field, go do something, and, this, and these rookies are doing it. And by the way, they're impacting a first place team <laughs> that is, yeah. you know, trying to that is now we're just over the 100 game mark. So we are really getting into the final stretch here. Obviously, the trade deadline coming up. Um, but I mean, this is this is really impactful stuff that we're seeing from all the Brewers rookies and the latest being self relic. And we've got another one to talk about on the pitching side, Abner Uribe, who has really opened up some eyes. Um, we've got a lot of pitching news and updates to get through. Uh, so stick around here on Brewers Unfiltered. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back on Brewers Unfiltered. A lot of pitching news and notes and updates for you. And we know that going back to April, fans have been eagerly awaiting the return of all-star Brandon Woodruff and guys we've got great news and that he is finally pitching in games um his first minor league rehab start came Saturday over the weekend with the with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers made that appearance in Dayton Ohio overall very good for Woody uh three innings for him four strikeouts he was hitting 95 to 97 with the fastball and got the pitch count up to 32, which is good, and then went to the bullpen because, shocker, uh, those A-ball kids, they were swinging away. So he, he threw another 10 pitches or so in the bullpen just to get the pitch count up a little bit more. And that, I think for a first outing, volume <laughs> and health are what you want to take away from that, um, not necessarily about the results. But when we spoke to Woody um, on Monday – Adam, uh, he was really encouraged, and, and now he'll be lined up to start Thursday when the team is off. He will make that start in Appleton. Uh, so if Brewers fans want to make the road trip, go watch Woody with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, and the idea is to extend that pitch count, of course, and hopefully get up to four innings um, and pro probably up to over 50 pitches. Yeah, and if you really want to tease this out, you go, you know, one more in A-ball, then he's got to face AAA hitters, which he's eager to do because you get a better feel for just what at bats would be like in a in a major league setting um so the you know the earliest i think we'll see him back if you want to circle a date is august 6th if he stays on this five-day schedule 
So it starts to kind of be, you know, within the horizon here. And to me, well, the key thing is number one, how good he, uh, not just felt in the game, but, but mostly the days after the recovery, he was super encouraged by that. That's a big deal. Um, number two, I think the timing of this is critical because as uh, we set out the top trade deadline coming up and, you know, the Brewers needed to have some feel for where Woodruff stood. If he had some other setback, I wonder whether starting pitching is something that you need to look at if you're Matt Arnold. Um, you can't rule it out, but because of how important the depth is uh, as you try to get through these remaining two months and they hope beyond. But I think the fact that he's on a good trajectory again is is really important um, and that he was able to get there before August 1. I, I just think gives everybody a little bit of peace of mind. So very encouraging signs uh, for Woodruff. And it's cool he goes back to Appleton because remember last year he went up there and just had like really the time of his life. And he talked to Tim and I about it on the podcast a bunch, just how it was like rejuvenating and reminded you like what, you know, what the minor leagues are all about with the, with families out at the ballpark and just really having fun at the field. So um, he'll get that experience again, which is kind of cool. And hopefully that gives him a, an added boost. Plus one, one more, well, I'm sorry, one more. He, he won a bet. I think we should, we should say, you know, when you go to Dayton, Ohio, no, to, to pitch an a ball, you, you need a little extra, like something to get you going and for Woodruff it was he told Sophie and I that it was um they had a little gentleman's bet about over under on the velocity of his first pitch and it was set at 94.5 and Woodruff was playfully I would say dismayed that so many of his teammates took the under dismayed <laughs> I think he was offended <laughs> uh, playfully I would say offended playfully well playfully. who knows it probably, it's, it's a minor league gun they probably juiced well it. he said just there's two there, two yeah. radar you know on, on sort of first and third base direction from the mound there's there's two readings so he threw his last warm-up pitch and he really got behind it because he wanted to see where he was at to try to win this bet and it was 91 and he was like, all right, <laughs> I guess it's not. But then the first pitch in the game, 95, he wins the bat. Yeah, that, that happens all the time. When I was throwing, I would throw a pitch, and it would be like 85. And I'm going, not that I threw hard anyway, but I'm like, man, that's my last pitch. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I am hurt. <laughs> I just, I emptied the tank on the, you know, and they're taking it down, balls in and coming down. And then the first pitch you throw is like five miles higher than that. Like that's pretty common. You don't, nobody sits there and can blow it out. And then when you face, once a batter gets in there, it just, everything elevates. But no, I did. I talked to Woodruff in the dugout uh, the other day about his outing. And w one thing that stood out to me is he was talking about, he was able to use his changeup. He says his changeup <laughs> has been trash lately. Uh, you know, bullpens and trying to get it back to normal. And there was, uh, I think he said, five or six left-handed batters in that lineup. So he was able to really throw some good change-ups. And he threw 27 strikes out of 32 pitches, I think. Um, I'm sure the hitters free-swinging out there like a like an empty <laughs> playground uh, helped out with that. But at the same time, he, he felt good. You know, he felt good. He had that bounce back. And side note, uh, I asked him about what spread that he bought. You know, big leaguers go down to minor leagues, they buy a spread. And he told me he got pregame and postgame spread. Yeah. That's the first time I'd heard of that. That's a big deal. <laughs> Said he got Chick-fil-A one day for pregame and then Chipotle for uh, pregame another day. And then he got Longhorn Steakhouse postgame and then Fleming Steakhouse Woo. for the last day he was there. Are you kidding me? 
Anyway, that's better than we eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, way better. But it doesn't surprise. It doesn't surprise. I asked Woody, I was like, what made you think of that? He goes, I don't know. He's like, I'd never done it before. And he thought, why not? <laughs> it's genius. And yes, he's going to be throwing in, uh, in Appleton uh, at Thursday. He also has a bobblehead. It's on this bobblehead. Uh, looks like it's going to be August 13th. He tried to get the bobblehead moved up, I think, but that's not going to happen. The reason I know this is because I have... My own bobblehead coming in September uh, <laughs> there, where I, where I shoot the Bratzuka. But I think I'm actually heading to uh, to Appleton Thursday to watch him pitch. I think it'd be great. Well, great! Yeah, you can idea. give us a report on the pod. We'll be we'll be getting ready to travel to uh, Hotlanta, so we look forward to your uh, live report of of Woody's yeah, second start. My scouting report. <laughs> um, yeah, no, not surprising that uh, that Brandon treated. The T-Rats, like he did, uh, he's always incredibly generous. And, and also, he said, you know, the game was so fast that he got to take down a couple stakes, too, before he hit the road. So so good good, good on Woody. I like um, how it was a couple stakes. By yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, um, we've been talking a lot about the bullpen as well, and they are going to be getting uh, hopefully a pretty significant piece here, and that's Justin Wilson. And we have not seen him yet this year. Uh, he was signed in the off season, um, and then he has been rehabbing from Tommy John surgery. So, a veteran lefty comes with tons of experience. He has been pitching well in AAA. Ten games for him with Nashville, a 193 earned run average, 12 strikeouts for him there. Uh, he kind of crossed that last hurdle over the weekend. Did his first back-to-back appearance Saturday and Sunday. So he joined the Brewers um, on Monday as we started the Red Series. He is not active yet. The plan is for him to be activated either at the end of the Red Series, if not at the start of the road trip in Atlanta. So we've been talking about it. Craig has relied really heavily on a couple of arms. And so what do you guys think that would do to get another, you know, experienced arm like Justin Wilson and and also a lefty, you know, to compliment Hobie Milner? Well, the lefty part of it is big because it gives you choices and, and Hobie Milner has just been so effective. And you know, that Bryce Harper at bat in Philly was crazy where Harper could not see the ball. He could not see the ball coming out and he just stood there. Incredible. One of the best hitters in baseball. Um, so the other thing is just, you know, the depth and it's, it's not a super sexy concept, but it's, so important because Craig Council told us in Cincinnati coming out of the break, you know, that he's he's he'd used Williams, Piamps, Pagaro, Milner a lot, and Bryce Wilson. And he 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 said, you know, look, we need one more guy to really step up, and now you've got a really solid unit. So Abner Uribe stepped up. And he got a, like I said, a, an out in a high leverage spot in the Brave series. And Justin Wilson certainly has the track record to be that kind of a guy. If Justin Wilson is like your second lefty and he's pitching in, say, a big spot in the fifth, cleaning up an inning or in the sixth, that is a, that is a, a nice deep bullpen. But he's got to take health. And he said there are days where he feels great and there are days where he feels like I had surgery. And that's totally common for a Tommy John guy. So, It'll take him a little bit of time to get back to where he wants to be, but the potential at least to be a, a nice a nice piece that gives Craig Council lots of flexibility of decisions. Well, I think Hobie Milner being the lone lefty down in the bullpen, 
and it's almost like, you know, yes, he can get lefties out, but he's getting everybody mm-hmm. out. You know, and he's – to call him just the left-handed guy is, is unfair because he could easily pitch the seventh, eighth, and if need be, the ninth, tenth, whatever. So in the, in the situation where they have to bring him in early in a ball game, like the fifth or sixth, just to face a couple of lefties, um, kind of robs you later on in the game, depending on what happens if the game is close. So this hopefully will give a lot of flexibility for Council to go to a lefty, more of a lefty specialist that has a lot of experience. I mean, almost 500 innings in the major leagues and can get the big moments very early in the ball game and save Milner for what they need later in the game. So, I, I mean, I think it's the right move. Um, but honestly, if you just started looking at everyone in the bullpen, you're like, who's going to leave? <laughs> I think I think Mejia's done a fantastic job. I think he hasn't, you know, he won't see the field for like a week and then he comes out and does a very great job. So, I mean, uh, it's good to have that kind of depth. I know we say that on the show all the time, but there's teams out there that are begging begging for bullpen pieces and the brewers have that in bunches well another piece uh that has really opened up some eyes is shocker another rookie um abner uribe and he came up um just before the all-star break made his major league debut back on july 8th in that last series uh before the reds and man he is a really intriguing arm and and fun to watch four games for him now a 193 earned run average he's allowed just three hits. Uh, it's a monster of a fastball. And, um, you know, this is a piece that, you know, he's been put in some pretty big spots. Uh, over the weekend, he pitched in a one-run game for the first time against the Braves, no less. We saw him face, you know, the top middle of the order in Philadelphia against another terrific lineup in the National League. Uh, what do you guys think of what we've seen from... Mr. Uribe and that big fastball he's got. Well, number one, there used to be a time when if there's a rookie pitcher in the bullpen, it's like, all right, we'll wait for a blowout. You know, you're up five runs, you're down five runs. Then we'll get you out there, kind of get your feet wet. Hadn't really been the case for Uribe because every game the Brewers play is super close. So he's just, by default, it's like, hey, here's we're down by one run, but it's like, all right, go ahead, keep us right there. Um, and he and he hasn't disappointed. He's been outstanding. Uh, I mean, you, like you said, Sophia, he went through uh, the heart of the Phillies order. He ended up walking Turner, but he struck out uh, Castellanos, Harper, uh, Bohm, like just 100 miles an hour, 101, and then here's a nasty slider, like sorry about it. And the moment hasn't gotten too big for him. And I think he's one of those pitchers that's just he battles himself. He doesn't really care what's going on with the game. I think he cares about if I can get my stuff near the plate, I know how good I am. <laughs> and it's just, it's uncomfortable is what I've seen. Batters walk to the plate. They're uncomfortable. They want no piece of what's coming out of his hand. <laughs> and rightfully so when you're throwing that hard with that much movement. So props again, the Brewers for whatever, I mean, they have the, the player development just off, off, you know, that goes, I guess, back to drafting too. They draft these guys or sign these guys. Uh, with amazing talent, but then they hone it in in such a short amount of time that something that used to take five years, they do it in two or three, and then suddenly they're in the big leagues and they're unfazed by it. Um, Uribe is is good thing he's having these high leverage situations now because that could, that's going to pay dividends later on uh, when you start getting to September and hopefully after. Yeah, I, it's on my list to kind of explore his origin story. I don't think Abner was a super high bonus guy. 
Um, I, I honestly don't know much about his early days with the Brewers, and I, I'd like to explore that a little more. I'll, I'll say the, how good his sinker is was brought to our attention first by Craig Council because I remember in 2022 spring training, Abner is one of these guys that comes over, one of the minor leaguers who comes over and gets an inning. And we go down on the field and we we're talking to Craig Council after the game. And he goes, you know, that's a, I'm paraphrasing liberally here. That's a guy who could help us this year. Or that's a guy who could help us. And we're like, do you mean this year? And he's like, why not? And when you have stuff like that, why not? Well, then he injured his knee. He missed a lot of last season and it, it set him back a little bit. But I, you know, I think he's been on the radar for me ever since that moment, because that is not something you hear from the manager when a minor leaguer has a big game in the cactus league. Like Craig council is very realistic that these guys have a lot of work to do before they're up in the bigs. So I, th that was notable to me. Are we doing a stat of the week later or can I give you my stat of the week? Oh, I don't have one. Roll it. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, you've probably heard Abner Uribe in that Philly series through the hardest pitch ever, uh, ever tracked by Statcast for a Brewers pitcher. So Statcast has data back to 2008. It was 102.2 miles per hour. Um, eight pitchers in, in Statcast era. So for these purposes, 2008 and on have thrown a legit hundred mile an hour triple digit pitch in the big leagues. How many of the eight can we name as a group? Tim, Tim Dillard's got to be one. Tim Dillard is not one, but one of your best <laughs> oh, buddies is. Yeah. Axford's got Axford. One. There it is. You got Axford or this year. Another guy this, this year. Is Brewers pitchers. Brewers pitchers since 2008 to throw hundred mile, legit hundred mile an hour. Josh Hader. Josh Hader is not. He has thrown 100 mile an hour close. on the scoreboard, okay. but it was like 99.8 oh. or something. Ugh. Man, now we're splitting. We're splitting atoms, Adam. Come All right, on. I'll just go through them, okay? <laughs> we got Trevor McGill. Yeah, yeah that's what I said Oh, okay, this year. so we got that. Before, yeah. uh, do we remember who the, who the top spot belonged to before Abner? It was in Toronto on, a, I think, a Toronto opener. Home opener or home opener? Neftali Feliz. Feliz. Wow. Yeah. Short lived Brewers closer. Ray Black had 100. Good old Jeremy Jeffress had 100. Yeah, I was going to say JJ. Brandon Woodruff threw 100 in the big leagues. Big Woo. Big Woo. And Willie Peralta. Those oh, are your wow. triple Willie digit. Yeah, one. yeah. Well, so. Freddie came close. Freddie had one that was 99 yes. against. Yes. Uh, was that his last start against Cincinnati before the break? But he's, he's you know, according to our well, robot know, overlords down at StatCast World Headquarters, to be in this club, you need to legitimately hit 100. Not just round, no rounding for our robot overlords. 99.9? .9. Nope, sorry. They're no, out. Yeah. Well, we know that too. The StatCast when Yelich hit the ball in Colorado last year was like 499. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 499. Our robot overlords are very exacting, yeah. Tim. They do not round. They don't sit in the press box and guess anymore, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the other thing that's interesting about Abner that we've talked to Craig about is I mean, he's obviously very young. He's only 23 years old, but also this is a very young pitcher in terms of just innings. And yeah. so there's a lot of learning that is happening um, on the fly. And he, like you said, last year was essentially a lost season for him. 
because of the knee injury. I think he only pitched in two games. So total coming into his major league debut here recently, he has 88 minor league innings. That's it. Yeah. And eight of those innings came in AAA. Tim, you can probably speak more to this than us <laughs> of what that means, right? Like for a young pitcher, a young arm, kind of where uh, he obviously has phenomenal stuff, but to come in with only 88 innings and to be pitching at this level at 23 years old, I mean, we, we know there's going to be ups and downs, right? I think that's a, that's a fair expectation for a rookie pitcher. I mean, 88 inning, only eight in AAA. I mean, I, I have like, 1500 innings in the minor league. <laughs> <laughs> so more never had so you're saying you have more seven games in AAA for eight innings. Seven games. See, that's incredible. So so the stuff plays, right? Like if you have the stuff in A ball and then you go double A, triple A, the stuff plays even in the big leagues. I mean, you can just watch the guy pitch one time and know that. I think it's it, it's a credit to um just the 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 psyche of it. Like how to deal with failure when stuff doesn't go your way. That's what you learn in the minor leagues. That's what you learn and cultivate as you, before you get to the big leagues is is how to deal with big moments um, and how to deal with bad moments. Right? Everybody can have a good game, but what happens when you have a bad game? And I think that's a credit to what the player development has done is speed up that process. I don't know how they're doing. It. I saw the foundation early on in my career, and it's they've honed their craft over so many years. Uh, but it takes it takes a group of people that. You could trust as a pitcher, you trust these coaches to sit there and, and pump you full of good information and, and help you and say, hey, this didn't go your way. This did go your way. Here's the why behind it. And then it goes to teammates, right? We've been on the road trips. We've seen Aribe. Um, he's talking to Piomps. Um, he's talking to Freddie. Like you see him getting some wisdom and some help from some of these guys. And rightfully so. You need that. You need to be surrounded by people that are willing to help you. Um, when it comes to teammates. And I think the Brewers have that. They've always had that. Honestly, they go get good guys that want to help each other. And it's not always about you. It's about what's going on uh, to the sides of you with your teammates. And you see the guys talking in the bullpen during the game. There's so much stuff going on. So there's not just always learning on the mound. There's about adjusting and learning uh, when you're not on the mound, when you're in the dugout, when you're in the bullpen, and when you're on the on the bus trips and the plane. Just to, just to wrap up here, guys, um, I know – an arm that the Brewers organization is really excited about and fans have been keeping track of as well is Jacob Mizorowski. And he just continues to fly through the system. Started the season with the Carolina Mudcats, nine games for him there, gets promoted to high A, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, six games for him there, has 74 strikeouts (laughs) between Carolina and Wisconsin and 15 starts for him there. Pitched in the Futures game, uh, the robot overlords were very impressed with Jacob Mizorowski's stuff and, and in the humans. Futures game. Human beings also impressed. <laughs> <laughs> the robots at StatCast and the human beings were very impressed. He was thrown over 100 in the Futures game. A couple of strikeouts for him there in Seattle. And so now he just made his double-A debut with the Biloxi Shuckers. Uh, four innings for him, four runs. Five strikeouts. Uh, I mean, Mizorowski just—he's—he's he's flying. I mean, it's—it's it's been fun to watch him put together this kind of season. And the question is, would the Brewers consider him for the big league bullpen late this year if they think he can help? And I'm scooping a future newsletter lead here, but the answer is yes. 
Um, the answer is that yes, they are open to it because they think the stuff is that good. Now, there's a lot of things they would need to work through before making that move. One, where how's he throwing the ball at the time you would consider that? It would be later on uh, this year, and it would it would be to to come up to the bullpen. Number two, what would that do for his development? Because if you make a decision like that, you're limiting his innings, potentially, if you do it early enough, you're limiting his innings this year, if it's while the minor leagues are still going. And if you do that, it, it has a cascading effect to his innings next year and the year after that. And what is, because the idea is that he's a starter eventually in the majors. So you'd have to be, it'd have to be at a point of this year where it wouldn't necessarily um, hamper his development as a starting pitcher in the long term. And then the other thing is you're starting the option clock, which is the business side of the game. But it means that next year when you send him back to the minors to be a starter again, you're optioning him and you're using one of those three minor league options. So there, there are some, some calls they'll have to make. But the bottom line is that the stuff is good enough that he is on the radar to pitch in the big leagues if there is a need. So that's amazing and a credit to just how good that arm is. And I was in Seattle for three days for the three whole days for the all-star game. And all anyone wanted to talk to me about was Jacob Mizorowski after seeing him in the futures game. He was the star of the futures game. Somebody gave him an MVP vote in the futures game. It went, it ended up going to the kid who doubled in some runs, but, um, Mizorowski was that eye opening, and, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, I don't know if it's going to happen, but just to be on the radar is pretty impressive. Well, it's impressive. He's just living out of his suitcase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, you don't know where he's going to, I don't, where am I going to be next week? I don't know. I'll just keep everything in it's there. It's probably a big suitcase because he's a gigantic guy. Yeah. See, people that are tall, this is, they know this. Not everybody knows this, but your clothes are just bigger. <laughs> they weigh more, right? You're going, you got 50 pounds, you're on a flight. Um, you can take less clothes. No, uh, he, he's been outstanding. And to, and to skip that many levels is definitely eye opening. But I would say, hopefully, Best case scenario, maybe not for him, but for the Brewers, is they won't need him. You know, hopefully everything plays out as is with the guys that they have and the guys that are coming to say, you know, we don't, we have him, but we don't need him because we, the guys we have are performing. Uh, that would actually be best case. But what they would be getting if they did call him up, he has thrown, I had to look it up, 56 innings in his career and he has not given up a home run. That right there, I mean, I've given up a home run just since this podcast has started like that's how easy it is to give up a home run nowadays the ball it just flies <laughs> i mean it just does when he gets a triple a um which will probably be in you know what a couple weeks maybe or a month but um that'll be interesting to see when you start facing you know some better hitters but the ball gets smaller and smaller as you go they use the big league ball so that kind of stuff matters they they want to see that they're going to want to see how his stuff plays uh but man if you can not give up a home run that is that's for me is that that right there plays for sure all right well we got a lot to keep an eye on here and uh next week's podcast you are not going to want to miss it because it's going to be trade deadline time we're going to be in washington dc in the nation's capital uh coming off of the braves and the nats so uh yeah we've got it's going to be an interesting week here what do we, we think uh, what are what are our predictions for for do we think busy lots of trades lots of new faces or do we think not lots of faces because of the way the team is playing right now. Not not a lot of faces. One one or two moves, maybe one. I say one. In what area? Well, they don't need. I don't think they need starting pitching. Don't think they need any defensive pieces. 
clearly it's going to be an offensive thing. And I would just say go find somebody that bats 280. Put them in the four, five, or six hole and just let them swing. Probably some sort of DH pinch hit role. Go find Matt Stairs. Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I don't know. I saw an article, and I've heard Dom say this a ton, but CJ Crone would be a good piece from the Rockies. I don't know if they're – I think they're dealing him. I think he's cheap. So, um, I don't know. But you don't want to make a lot of moves. I'm, I will die on this hill. You do not make a bunch of moves and have a bunch of new faces in that clubhouse. That would be – to me, it would be detrimental. It would be pointless. So, I'm going to say maybe one – maybe two moves, but definitely one move. Well, I think – I'm going to say a bat, too. I mean – there's uncertainty with Rowdy Tillet. That's such a bad luck thing, the finger. We saw it. We talked to him this week now and saw it, and his stitches are out. As we were recording Tuesday, his stitches are coming out. Um, just a just terrible luck. And he's had a rough year, and he's played through a lot, and people I don't think know about it. His numbers have, have been what they've been because he's been playing through some stuff, um, and now this. So I agree that, that offense – you hear Craig Council in these post games. They need some offense. They need to take a little bit of pressure off the pitching staff. It's hard to get a guy for two months and boom, instant impact. But I think they need to give it a shot. So I, w- I would guess, same as Tim, I would guess some kind of corner infield piece that can um, help give you a little bit of thump in the lineup. I think I, I totally agree. The The story has been offense, offense, offense. Uh, Craig is, is asking for more production is, and more he help. He is, yeah. It's he like is, he's, he's he like is, speaking to Matt Arnold in his post game. Sometimes it feels like. Yeah. I mean, they talk all the time. We know they talk and they walk and all that stuff. But it's like, ah, we need some more offense. Yes, and uh, owner Mark Adonacio was at the Reds game Monday night. So... Uh, Mark, Mark was checking in on the team. We know Mark is always watching. So yeah, these, these conversations are constant and ongoing. I'm going to say a bat. And I'm also just going to say, based on history, they are going to acquire an optionable reliever, Mm -hmm. uh, because I just think, uh, depth, depth and more depth, um, someone that has options and can give them more flexibility and protection. Uh, history has shown that's, that's a move that they will often make. So we will see. But the key word remains responsibly because every time Matt Arnold has spoken about the coming trade deadline, he says, we're definitely looking to improve the team, but we're going to do it responsibly. And that's code for we're not trading Jacob Mizorowski to bring in you know a, a huge piece. So look, you can argue the merits of that. Uh, and you can say this is a eminently winnable division they should push all the chips in and go for it i don't think that's their well at least the way matt has stated it publicly that is not their outlook to this uh they they are trying to keep this thing going year after year and that means preserving a lot of your talent and it doesn't mean you don't trade prospects but it doesn't mean you empty the the cupboard and i think he's been pretty clear about that so just i would I mean, maybe they'll surprise all of us. My, I would, if, if I'm a fan, I'm kind of setting my expectations towards an addition that helps the club, but isn't like, you know, super splashy in the first item on MLB Network. That's just my best guess. Stay tuned. We're all going to find out together on uh, <laughs> next week on August 1st. It should be fun. This is always a great time of year on the baseball calendar. Uh, trade deadline. It's your last opportunity now to to make tweaks to your your roster and and the pieces you have to make that last postseason push. So 
Thanks for checking in with us here on Brewers Unfiltered on behalf of Adam and Tim and myself. Uh, thanks for tuning in and make sure you're following following along with all the news. Uh, always a lot going on with this team on our social platforms and, of course, all of the at Brewers social platforms as well. So thanks for listening to Brewers Unfiltered.